This episode is brought to you by January. That's fuck all happening. Welcome to another episode of the Lasting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Toffee. I'm your other co-host, uh, the Killing of a Sacred Shafiq. And I am the other, <laughs> other, other co-host. Uh, <laughs> what? You're implying we have five hosts? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I, you know, I have got split personality. Maybe. Oh, okay. Because I don't think there's such a thing as a word called tri-host. Otherwise, I'll use it. Tri-host. Like, tri-host. Like three of us. Tri-host. Because three of us, right? Um, sure. One third. Host. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Who's this other host again? Uh, introduce, introduce yourself. yourself. <laughs> introduce yourself. You, no, you forgot who you are. I was about to say something very racist, so let's move on very no, quickly. No, no, come on. There are no, no barriers Why here. am come I on, the only racist guy on the podcast? Because it's easier to excise you when <laughs> shit happens. Yeah, yeah, take your fair share of racism. <laughs> 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 Well, the thing is, right, he's, they've been doing it since colonial times, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're just storing it and then you're bringing it back up for another generation, Please explain right? Michael Caine in that Zulu movie, sir. Um, basically, that was us <laughs> for about 400 years. Yes, okay, of course, you all recognize the, the wonderful, soothes, dulcet tones of uh, Eccentric Tom here. I, did I say my name? Uh, no, you haven't. That's what we've been doing <laughs> to all this time. <laughs> this is Eccentric Tom. Stumbling over his jokes awesome, awesome. and his puns. Okay, so, so anyway, Stumbling over everything. I, I don't know where I am. So, as you could tell from the intro, there really isn't much going on this <laughs> month. Our preparation, apparently. Yeah. No, no, we did prepare. The problem is, because we got day jobs, we have been so busy with our day jobs that we only managed to find time to at least watch one-fifth of the stuff we kind of prepared-ish. So, well, yeah, we're just going to yeah. bring up the stuff that we have actually prepared on our last decree list. I mean, this is going to be very hard to explain to the studio audience who think that we do this as our job. Yeah. Like, we have yeah, yeah. lives beyond the podcast, Yeah, apparently. so there's more like a <laughs> hobby slash side job that we do. No, 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 this is our thing, yeah. Yeah, our thing, our thing. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely thing. the thing. It's absolutely very lucrative and not at all something <laughs> that is, you know, bleeding us dry. <laughs> Speaking of bleeding us dry, anyway. <laughs> no, okay, uh, but uh, Mr. Toffee, as you were alluding to, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, our... Our awesome feature, which is coming up by the end of this month, our Last King Decree list, where we actually bring up all the top 10s from films, games, and TV shows. We kind of hinted yep. at this last episode. We did, yeah, yeah. right. But I think, yeah, we should give them the full uh, details of what's uh, going on. Yeah, so basically we're going to take some bits from that list that we're currently still making up till the end of this month, and then we're just going to bring up why we actually want to include these movies, games, and or TV shows on this list. Yeah, now... We have talked about quite a few of these movies, like for example, uh, Dunkirk, Logan. We've made our reviews, so we're not going to talk about them again, obviously. We will just going to bring up the stuff that we haven't ever mentioned at all during our yeah. runtime of the show. Like movies that we liked, but we never really found the time, like it was too late, or it was very limited release. Or, or to be very honest, because they didn't really match with the SEO. <laughs> that <laughs> too, point of time. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be lovely to talk about all the things we care about, but sometimes we gotta talk about a shitty Justice League movie. Yeah. Because that's what the thing to do. Like, yeah, hey, what's yeah. more fun talking about this really amazing indie movie that like five people are showing? Or Justice League, where I can uh, talk shit about. Um... And probably about 2,000, 3,000 people know about it. 
Or more than that, even. But yeah. listen to us instead, because we have the best Henry Cavill mustache jokes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So don't go check it out. On, yeah. Go <laughs> check it out on our archives at soundcloud.com. <laughs> <laughs> or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. But okay, yeah. So just as as what uh, my co-hosts have mentioned, we have this uh, listicle that's going to be coming out maybe monthly, bi-monthly. Totally depends because we did mention earlier before that yes, we do have jobs and lives beyond the last king. Podcast. But we will st- do, definitely strive to do it as a monthly thing. But this yeah. this will be pretty big usually. And I think we have to take it upon ourselves, especially as uh, stalwarts of the culture and pop culture in general. But we also kind of need to uh, educate as well as entertain. And to let you, the Last King fans, know, like, hey, pay attention to these other things. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure we're the reason why Castlevania is so popular on Netflix. <laughs> I'm very sure. It <laughs> I'm is. very sure. I'm very sure. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely helped launch this thing. Like, not at all because it's got a legacy of about thirty over years. No, but I'm pretty sure we championed the fuck out of that <laughs> show. Yeah, because so my code was that good. <laughs> let me kiss you. <laughs> And wouldn't you know it? There's actually gonna be another a second season coming up yes. with more episodes. Now instead of four, we get eight. And uh, the bullshit marketing term is like we double the episodes. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that like, sounds like a lot. We're approaching British standards of uh, pr- TV production. Ooh, awesome. But I like that. You know, like yeah. a nice, tight, concise six episodes. Here's six episodes. Season. What you want more? Oh, we'll come back to it in three years. <laughs> Or I think there's also some shows that's doing like the Sherlock formula where it's an episode, also a movie. Yeah. Well, Sherlock is something else because we made this before we realized they'd be the most popular people in the world. Like we didn't know Benedict Cumberbatch was gonna be like <laughs> the heartthrob of but, the uh, you know millennial generation. No, that's one thing I don't understand. Benedict Cumberbatch, I don't get the attraction. Because he's kind of uh, you know dithery and a bit awkward. No, but the thing is, right? There's like photos on the internet where they compare him to like Kiff from Futurama, and I see that. <laughs> I've I've seen like pictures. his eyes are too wide apart for some reason. I've yeah. seen him uh, compared to otters. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah. Okay, I, th- I think I saw that on the Graham Norton show. Yeah. Right? And then uh, they're trying to uh, read, uh, how do you say, recreate certain and topics. And to his credit, he did. Yeah, he 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 does look like a little feral animal in charge of uh, rivers. He also can't uh, say penguins. Yeah, so speaking of TV shows, um, I don't think we should bring out this <laughs> nice one, segue, yeah. <laughs> which we kind of want to, we we're actually going to put on our list, so maybe we want to discuss a little bit about Glow, if I recall. Glow yeah, was actually Glow. one oh, of yeah, our picks. So like, yeah, we, not say failed to mention, I think we did kind of mention once, or maybe a few times. Definitely Just, not more than five minutes. But not yeah. enough to warrant why we think of uh, this show as probably one of the best shows of uh, 2017. Yeah. Okay, along with uh, the usual, what you'd usually expect from us, you know, because like we're not, we're not gonna spoil the list totally. We're gonna reveal to you slowly what I mean, like what we feel is you know essential television watching. Mm. So I mean, okay, uh, this was brought to my attention by Mr. Toffee himself, cause he's the one who told me like, yo, you gotta check out Glow. It's by the guys who did Orange Is the New Black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like I used to like that show. I kind of hate that show. And he's like trying to explain to me, no, 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 bro. It's about women wrestling, and like. No, as a fan of the Rumble Rosa series, <laughs> like, go on. How's <laughs> the jiggle physics, sir? Oh, Jesus and Christ. Apparently, and the thing is, like. You can't um, be nice for just one minute, no! can you? Okay, you gotta stay in character. Yeah. I gotta stay in character. No, trust me, Last King fans. I'm not really this chauvinistic. <laughs> um, Wink. So, yeah, it was actually a growth of the whole women's wrestling thing on television. Which but it's is a, a fictional version. A fictional version, but there was actually some truth, some allusions to the it's actual. It's a fictionalized uh, recounting of what happened. I would equate this to, uh, what was that series? Uh, the Get Down. 
down where like this yeah. is our retelling of actual events but I don't think Glow is like actually attached to any real women's wrestling league. yeah uh, there, was there was there was in the, the TV show side yeah Mostly it was for the, it was before uh, the, the WWE and the, uh, before the no way before WWE this was when WCW was well, it was like, the only one around it was like the, it was around the the Hulk Hogan pre-attitude era like when he was just starting out like I've that I've been watching wrestling since the 80s sir. So no, like, no, that, I, I remember since WWF so it was, was around WWF uh, it was around time. that period right? yeah. so we're talking about the era of Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior Macho Man Randy Savage no 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 it was definitely before that it so was it's like that. Ric Flair the Four Horsemen yeah uh, with probably Ricky Steamboat area era Ricky Steamboat too, is actually yeah. When was, when was when was Andre around? Andre was around Should that time also. Yeah, so I mean, okay, I think we're Andre. thinking Bob Backlund era. Bob Backlund, thank you. Yes, like Bob that era. So we're talking like the very like early like when Jerry the King Lawler was feuding with Andy Kaufman era. That era, yeah. yes. So we're talking about late seventies, early eighties. But okay, here we go. Uh, a show about uh, a TV producer and a film filmmaker, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yes, who wants to create a, a show, basically a weekly show about female wrestlers, and instead of actually hiring female wrestlers. They just hold open auditions. Yeah, because okay, so that's the first episode. Yeah, and you realize that uh, the film producer who wants the film director who wants to make it, he's only doing this because that's how he's going to get money to make his um, his own film, which is about a time traveling kid who goes back and fucks his mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like totally lot, not Back to the Future, basically, but totally not Back to the Future, which is a joke yeah, at the end. Just a joke he made at the end. Yeah. And the thing is, I did not realize that about Back to the Future. I was like, you know what? I enjoy this movie even more now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you, Robert Zemeckis. That's also a real nice side story where basically two best friends, uh, Alison Brie and Betty Gilpin's characters, they were good friends at first, and then they split up because Alison Brie fucked with, fucked uh, the husband, husband of uh, yes. Betty Gilpin. I I think that's. For me, uh, why I like this show so that much, because it explores how the hell can your friendship recover from like the ultimate betrayal, and how it can actually contribute to a show in that yeah. sense. So, like, I mean, I'm, you're forced to work with this person who. Actually, I will write off that point of view. You're trying to make like the only way for you to recover from anything this heinous is to is to fight them. drive your friend <laughs> into <laughs> over and over and over again from the top rope. <laughs> yeah. It also brings up a nice little illusion because um, a lot of wrestlers, especially in the 2000 WWF period, the especially era? Edge, where um, there are some storylines that actually skewed a certain way because. One person was dating someone, and then they actually end up You're dating another person. You're talking about the Hardy Boys and Lita and Edge, right? Not just that. Even the Triple H and China and Stephanie McMahon. That was actually that was worked in that storyline. It was so fucked up. But yeah. somehow they actually worked out in the storyline in that sense to I mean, make a thing, to make him a bigger of heel. Reality yeah. and blurring of you know. Yeah. But also at the same time, you also understand like uh, I mean, wrestling in its essence is also a form of performance and if anything performance acting is all based on your ability to uh, to be a sell the story the not just that to you know show and display a certain truth mm. you know and the thing is like you know raw emotion or certain feelings I mean the best example of this was the miscarriage uh, episode oh where basically, yeah basically you know, she was like well, I forgot the name of the, the bitchy wrestler girl who sprayed like ketchup all over herself to kind of piss off the, oh yeah the, uh, the uh, like the rich girl yeah and I was like okay yeah and the thing is, is like one thing I was worried about because when I discovered that this was made by the people who did Orange is the New Black is because Orange is the New Black right now is covering, I mean, currently entering this weird uh, phase where it's like, oh, it's just really cliche right now. It's because it's season prison, six right? now, right? So. They've totally run out of ideas. Yeah, you know? and then like that's what I was afraid of is like, okay, you said what you needed to say about women trying to get along in a 
kind of confined. In area. your first season. Yeah, in the first season, you kind of did something interesting. In the second season, and then like it, it went on for way too long than it should. Mm-hmm. But I do understand that that's a really popular show, and where else are we gonna get hot lesbian action on Netflix? Yeah, Several other Netflix TV. original shows. True, but you know, eh. But how many with like that hot chick from that 70s show? Oh, Laura Bricon. Uh, yeah, she's. I'm hot. sorry. Yeah, okay, but anyway, uh, I digress. So here we go. Is that I mean the, the problem I had with Glow? Not say the problem, but the thing, the misconception or the, no, the preconception. Mm-hmm. I was entering this like thinking, oh, it's like another show about women who need to get along and work together, and they're all from different walks of life and different. Like you know, uh, cultural backgrounds or racial backgrounds. Yeah, and it's like okay, you and then there's a man in charge. Like, oh, and no. you feel like it's a repeated formula, basically, right? So yeah, that's why I was yeah. afraid afraid of when you would watch something like Orange and New Black, and like okay, they just took exactly what they did and they put it in a different scenario and they're trying to convince us. But I mean, the, the thing about Glow is like okay, first it's a period piece. Yeah, it's set in the eighties and it does it. It feels incredibly eighties, like without that kind of weird veneer you often get when people set do set in the eighties where. Like, it feels kind of you know muted a little bit like in terms of colors I would say like, like if you were to watch Stranger Things and then it's like we're deliberately trying to convince you this is the 80s whereas, whereas this just glow like it's just it could the, be 80s. the 80s yeah. it is just that it it's like, like someone got a HD camera in 1984 somehow to, to me it this. felt like watching a normal episode of like Miami Vice like yeah, yeah. that's what it looks like <laughs> There's no, there's not no emphasis on pink and neon, mm. except in the dream sequences where that really works. Oh Especially yeah, with the characters. Yeah, I like the fact that it wasn't even trying too hard to just portray the aesthetic. They're just doing it as how it was back then. And which is nice. it's generally pulled it off. It's like, genuine. Which is it's very genuine. Amazing. I guess you know they just parts of LA which just still look like they belong in the 1980s. <laughs> Well, basically, they haven't been gentrified yet, but uh, I'll well. also say this. I mean, I mean, to kind of overall sum up the aesthetic is like just the right amount of late warmers. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they didn't go overboard with the big hair and the shoulder pads. It's like but lots of leotards. But after seeing all nothing those... wrong with that, sir. <laughs> oh God, they were awful. <laughs> just do you not like the female form, sir? What are you? Uh, I love the female form. Just it was not great. Discussion. I mean, if this was set in the '90s where they're wearing baggy hip hop clothes, come on. Not so <laughs> I mean, like, remember when Lita from like the Hardy Boys popped up with like the big baggy cargo pants? Yeah, not, not, then, not a fan. I'm not a fan. Of and that. all of a sudden, she started wearing the tighter, silvery stuff, and you could see that ass. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, I miss Lita. <laughs> okay, but again, even the other wrestlers as well. I, another thing I want to bring up is you mentioned. How you're afraid is gonna follow the cliche of like all these women and a man in charge. They really cleverly subvert it because yeah. the man in charge, Mac Maron, is so pathetically Mark Maron <laughs> <laughs> that he can't help but just be run roughshod by all the women that just like say, okay, we'll kind of follow what you're doing because we want to get paid, but we're also gonna do our own thing because fuck you. Yeah. What was that line you mentioned again? The, the Mark Marinus, Marinus. He is, this is Mark Maron, his most Mac, Mark Marinus, Mark Maron that ever Mark Maron in the Mark Maron. Mark Marin, that's your cool right there. Yeah, man, that sounds like a hot hip hop track for 2018. Mark Marin, 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 Mark Marin. So we're gonna guess that this that his performance was the one who stands out, or was there anyone else? I would say stands out. I say he was perfectly cast. Yeah, right. That's exactly the kind of person to play that person. Is that person? Because yeah, Mark Marin, I don't think is a great actor. They just said, hey, do you just wanna be you in the 1980s? 
Because like, you want to make your own movie and then direct this uh, wrestling show? Yeah, I sure, think why not? I, I want, want you to be a guy who had dreams but failed and is just miserable right yeah. now. And you're putting together some bullshit show. Yeah. So that, play that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, but Mark Marin. You make it me say, you know, Mark Marin. Mark Marin, Mark Marin, Mark Marin. So Mark Marin to me probably had the most interesting arc. I mean, okay, let's tell you what. If you haven't seen Globe by now, here be spoilers, okay? And you should have by now. Yeah. Because it's like probably one of the most It's already 2018, by the way. So, yes, yeah. you had a few months to have figured it out by now. But, I mean, he had the best art when he discovered that he was... Uh, okay, spoilers again. Uh, the, that realization that he was a father. Yeah. After kissing, after his, kissing his daughter. daughter. After kissing one of the wrestlers, thinking that this wrestler had a crush on him. And then she reveals, no, no, no I'm your daughter. I'm, you're, you're an asshole. And it's like... <laughs> Oh, that that's the perfect Mark Maron moment right there. You know, and like the way he just reacted to that, like, what? It's what? the best scene of accidental incest that we've seen in 2017. <laughs> yeah. Since Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean like that's the yeah, but no, I mean some parts of America you do kiss your daughter on the mouth. But <laughs> I digress again. That's mostly the South, right? <laughs> not in California. <laughs> not in California. But not- South California. Yeah. But okay, the thing is, uh, I would say uh, Mark Maron aside and the lead uh, actresses. Okay. Alison Brie. I mean, apart from those, I think that everyone did a really good job. From, I mean, who's your favorite side character, sir? Uh, it's a toss-up between Welfare Queen and... Um, <laughs> and uh, what's the name of the uh, Cambodian girl who has to be Chinese? Oh, that is... Um, the Oriental Disaster. I can't remember. The Oriental Disaster. <laughs> I not, can not, not Kung Pao, right? Not Kung Pao? Her name's... <laughs> what? That's a bit too lazily racist, even for the 80s. But I know the actress Ellie something because she was actually nice child from uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yes, yes, that's oh, right. yeah. That that woman. Yeah. Oh, I thought you, you you guys would be like kind of on the Machu Picchu train with me. Because, like, I love Machu Picchu. Yeah, yeah, Machu Picchu is cool. Yeah, she was, I uh, love her character. She was so lovely. Like I constantly wanted to hug her when I was watching her. You know, her hugs can kill. <laughs> Probably, but it like, would be like a hug of bliss as you're slowly being asphyxiated. Like I mean, from her getting like a bit of a heart attack thing going on and all the way to the end where she actually got that payoff where she actually got on stage. When her, nice. Yeah, when her father finally yes. just supports her. Yeah. Like it's a moment of... I felt so nice just seeing him in the crowd just like saying, go on, do this, this is what you were born to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wonderful. Like, yeah, she's the one character I was rooting for the most because like the rest of the characters, okay, I'm sorry to say, Except for a goth girl who ends up being uh, Mark Moran's daughter. daughter. Yeah, and then Let's she became like a producer. Mary Moran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like the other stunt casted uh, characters, right? Okay, there's Machu Picchu who had like probably the most, I won't say realistic, but the most like emotional and grounded arc. Yeah. And then you had the Therian, you had the other yeah. kid, the wolf girl who basically, I mean, she did have that nice uh, episode where her introduction is just her putting on her makeup and getting into her. And it, identity, and then her fun explaining like this is what I need to be to be accepting of myself. I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was a very touching moment. But as well. I mean, I would say this like one of the weaknesses of Glow is like you introduce all these interesting characters, especially the side characters like um, I mean like the Indian and the Cambodian girl, and even like the kind of bitchy other girls. Yeah. So I mean, I like the fact that you had enough of uh, like you know. A nice selection of characters that we A can... good Colors of Benetton um, yeah, uh, selection. You know, you, yeah, you know which one to hate, which one to love, but also at the same time, one of the main problems I had with the show is like, a lot of these characters, they, they, they come in, they appear, and then they kind of move to the side. They get pushed to the side for the central characters. Alison Brie and Betty Gloppin. So, I mean, they their story was nice, but when you look at all these wonderful, weird-ass characters, like, 
I'll just spend a bit more time like that. Like the fact that um, the Indian girl, you know, she lives with her grandmother and, uh, you know, she gets like that little like tin of food to bring with her <laughs> yep. to work. Which is, it's so sweet. It's like, I recognize that. As an Asian person, yes, I know yeah. that. <laughs> no, I like the fact that the Indian girl's grandmother is a wrestling fan. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, it's like, interesting. I don't know more about that now. It's like, oh yeah, my, my grandma and I watch it together. They're like, oh, that's cute. And, uh, oh yeah, and the former Olympian who, uh, you know, had a heart set on being, like, you know, Miss America, whatever the character was going to be. But they said, oh, but you just, you know, emote enough. And so they made her an angry Viking. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, what are you, Mr. Toffee? Any standout characters that you want to kind of... Uh, you've already mentioned most of it. I mean, I do, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Machu Picchu and also... Actually, that's about it. I mean, her art was actually more... Had a bit of more because payoff. more meat, right? Yeah, yeah, more meat. Yes, yes. And, and also, also, without her, they wouldn't. She wouldn't have introduced the two main characters to go practice in the mat together with Carlito and a bunch of other cameos <laughs> as well. You know what? What was that actually a really memorable scene? Yeah, yeah actual wrestlers. Oh, some of them were actually wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In an actually good uh, montage that happened, playing one of my favorite songs from Transformers the movie, the Dare song. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, I will say that my standout episode was the episode where Machu Picchu takes uh, what Blondie, uh, yeah, like to an actual wrestling match. Yeah, and then she sees oh, yeah. Steel Horse. <laughs> yeah, and then she I rides his Steel Horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like, like Christopher Daniels and a bunch of other guys. I exactly, names, and then, like, yeah. I just remember this is like, if I ever wanted to get my girlfriend into wrestling, I just need to show her this show because yeah. like seeing the women understand like. And like how succinctly they explain everything. Oh, this is just a soap opera. Yes! <laughs> it's like an action-packed soap opera. Yeah, ironically, yeah. it was the other way around because my wife has kind of been into wrestling for a while. Her what? Right yeah. Oh, this is new. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's a DX generation kind of girl. Well, I mean, uh, her and her brother watched um, like the early 2000s stuff a lot of. Which is early 2000s. Attitude era, yeah. Yeah, uh, like just after Attitude this Era. Was, this was when John Cena first started, right? It was like Cena, The Rock, uh, Undertaker, uh, Stone Cold, like that uh, Undertaker's era. Undertaker's been around since You get 80s. to see Heel Rock quite a bit, that was actually really funny. Yeah, I think they started with Heel Rock and then they saw. So this yeah. is The Rock explosion, basically, yeah. when The Rock became The Rock. Pretty much. So she's she was more aware of wrestling than I ever was. Like, I always never really got into it. Like, you know, as kids, you know, you kind of hear the idea, like, because it's an excuse to hit your friends, but, um... I mean, I never like, watched it because I never had, you know, I mean, channels. also, as a guy growing up in England, like, who would you look up to if, in the 80s, maybe, like, the British Bulldog? In the 90s, who do you have? Like, what, William Regal? William Regal, yeah. Like, that's not a cool character. Well, no, no. Billy Kidman's British, if I recall, right? Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, sure. yeah. Doesn't matter. The, my friends who watched it at school, they liked all the American ones. They didn't give a fuck about whatever British, like, insert they had. Well, the British Bulldog is one of the few wrestlers who can pull off a perfect perpendicular pile driver, sir. Yeah, it's good stuff. Davy Boy Smith. His and running slam was the most popular move. And there was also Gurus really the well. Barber Beefcake. Are they the same person? No, 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 no. no. Different, different people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this all sounds really alien to you. So exactly. I, so I think that's the problem with the show. That, like, that, that was my point. Like, you know, after watching that, I finally have an appreciation of how much hard work goes into it. And that was something that, you know, Yvonne had already known. So. We kind of pushed it from different ways and appreciated it kind of for the same reason. I mean, you have to understand, like, if you get a chair shot to the face and still deliver your lines... That's pretty <laughs> impressive. That's impressive, you know? I mean, like, and then you think of, like, you know, like guys like Mankind mm -hmm. who jump off the cage onto the commentator's table and still win the match. Like, and wow. that was the less hardcore stuff <laughs> for like, Mankind. I mean, yeah, the, uh, we're talking, he's from the ECW. Shit. They used yeah. to wrestle on thumbtacks. What? <laughs> they're... they're 
Yo, there's videos I need to show you. Yeah. I need to show you like Sandman and Sabu videos. Yeah. Those will mess you up, man. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine a wrestling ring with the where the, where the uh, what is it called? The, the ropes, the tight yeah, ropes the, the tight are ropes, barbed yeah. wire. What? <laughs> that exists. Oh, I, I think that. Tommy Dreamer was also one of the lead guys in ECW, right? Oh man, yeah, with, uh, the, uh, with, with the, the quote unquote can- Singapore cane. The quote unquote, it's a fucking candlestick. <laughs> yeah, it's sword. a candlestick. Yeah. Okay, it's it's called a shinai. It's like that wooden bamboo sword. They call it the Singapore cane because people still remember Michael Fay from way back in the 80s. Get over yourselves, American wrestlers. Uh, yeah. But I mean, okay, there are things they do with like cheese graters on that show. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> like extreme like championship wrestling. Woo. I think we gotta dedicate one episode just, just for the history those of wrestling. But for now, let's just focus on like glow. Like Again, in the end of the day, these two episodes, this is something that we can recommend for Anyone who does, even if people who don't know much about wrestling, it's something. What would your general recommend. rating be for Glow as a whole? I well, feel that it's, it's something a solid worth eight it. or nine for me. I would say nine, yeah. I so go I, for eight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, eight. there are definitely some weaker points, but you know, the thing is, a lot of like, the best points, like it's easy to forgive certain things. Yeah. So like, one thing I do wish they'd done a little bit more is uh, the producer is very obviously gay. But they never really explore it much further than. You think just... so? I mean, I think they're hinting to it. Did you but... look at the way his friend looked at him? Mm. But then the thing is, he might have just like a foppish kind of butler guy, to, you know, to make. Oh no, they we'll, be banging. Hopefully, like, we'll, we'll hope we'll find yeah. out on CSI yeah, because, the second season. Look, so. he's surrounded by women mm. in uh, uh, lycra sportswear, and he's not having any roving eyes. But that could be the thing because, it, I mean, yeah, it could be a character trait or it could be maybe a choice by the actor. But I do kind of see like. Is he somebody who is unsure about his sexuality? Because I think so. Maybe he's bi. Because also, it's, it's the height of the AIDS scare right now. Yeah, and I also, also agree. I mean, like, the, the what can probably strengthen your theory more is the way he kissed Machu Picchu. Yeah. To kind of, like, protect her from her father when, like, you know... It was a very kind of, like... That's how a gay man would kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, you have some stories to tell. Ah, oh, well, you know, I've seen Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Anyway, but, Many uh, times <laughs> By myself Fast <laughs> forwarding to particular points oh, That first scene in the tent Oh man Actually that scene in the car with Anne Hathaway I had no idea how pink her nipples would be <laughs> Yeah Amazing that, So if you've never seen Brokeback Mountain There's a reason to actually <laughs> Apart from you know, being fantastic acting and, I think yeah, Anne Hathaway very was also naked couple of other movies too right She was kind of topless in Havoc I remember that I saw Havoc okay, But Havoc was kind of dumb <laughs> Whereas, uh, No no but like you know Wait, wait, what are we talking about? But anyway, the point is, yeah, we have to get to I mean, see Alison Brie's nipples too, so... Oh, yeah, we, you, you, Alison Brie's nipples, you go. nice. <laughs> if you're a fan of such things, yeah. yes. Speaking of nipples, uh, we have another show uh, thing to talk about on our list. What? Uh, really? Straight away? We're yeah. not gonna... Is that how we're gonna end the glory? <laughs> yeah, 8 out of 10 and nipples. How about eight out of ten, 8 nipples out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, how about this? Are we rating on sales? Let's close, let's do some quick closing thoughts on Glow. Uh, Mr. Toffee, you for recommending to me, uh, what are your closing thoughts? It's definitely something I want to introduce to people, especially for those who don't really appreciate wrestling for what it is, or don't even know what wrestling is about. Yeah. Especially when it comes to this movement about the female wave of wrestlers coming out and all that. Really good stuff. I definitely will bring this up with a lot of people. Uh, I would also recommend it to anyone who says, oh, I love Orange is the New Black. It's this great show about women. It's like, no, this is. <laughs> really? Yeah. You would pick this over Orange? Yeah, because Orange is the Black is, is just now become some lesbian fantasy for men. It's like a shell of his former self. Yeah. Yeah. I like, think... it stopped being relevant four seasons ago. Like, once the the American Pie guy <laughs> left the show. Yeah. <laughs> once Porno Stash stopped being, like, you know, figure of fun. 
Uh, there you go. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Glow to me would be the the best show about wrestling that isn't about wrestling. Yeah, totally. yeah I would yeah. say. I mean, if anything, strong characters, uh, very, I would say, easily relatable female leads. Uh, Mark Maron being Mark Maron. Yeah. And uh, I will also say the one thing that I think we kind of need to also mention because we kind of breezed past it. Some honest to goodness wrestling. Yeah, yeah. some really <laughs> decent some really, uh, wrestling. Yeah, some solid wrestling action. All I ask if, if hopefully they have a second season is maybe a bit more focused on the other side characters. Maybe if there's something they can which they have to. Yeah, yeah. To flesh out those people. Yeah, but keep what was good, and then you just have to expand. Yeah, I hope more. it'll be a bit more like uh, the second season of The Crown, which I'm watching right now, uh-huh. where it's much less about the central characters, more about the people surrounding them. I would say what I want for the second season is more ECW shit. I want to see these girls slam each other into like burning <laughs> balls of barbed wire and stuff. Like, we're, we're not selling tickets, we gotta amp it up. <laughs> 80s TV was fucking wild. It was insane. <laughs> no, 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 ECW wasn't on TV. It was, it was like this. We discovered it very. Uh, how I discovered it? Live leak? Like during uh, the YouTube era, like when, when not even YouTube. I actually found it through Kazaa. Ah, honest, like, you yeah. know, like, oh, what the hell is this ECW? I mean, like, you walk past the sh- the video shop and then they have the cover of, this isn't Hulk Hogan, what wrestling is this? <laughs> and they're like, oh, this, but, like, you'll see Mankind and Sabu. No, okay, Mankind was Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack, yeah. And it's like, these guys look crazy. Then you rent it and then you watch it and you see amazing things done with, like, pieces of wood with nails and thumbtacks, barbed wire, shit on fire. <laughs> like, wow. Dude, okay. I, I really miss those days where you can discover random stuff on DCD stores and even in the boot of cars. I mean, yeah, like, you can't do it anymore. Now yeah. it's just like, oh, let's... Let's I'm press just, the button, I get something. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, so or like in the YouTube trending, it's like, oh, who found a dead body this week? It's like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> fuck oh, that let's guy. not give that guy any more attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, like, nowadays in an era where things are attached with, like, a press kit yeah. and, like, you know, production stills for you all to, like, sample, right? But it's nice that this harkens back to a time. Because, like, for me, the Glow TV show, I was never aware of women's wrestling in general. Yeah. Except for what was going on in Japan. Because in Asia, like, ooh, Japanese women wrestling? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paying attention to that. But also at the same time, it's like, I like to see... I mean, uh, one complaint I, people... On, on the, I mean, like, what I've read is they, they feel like you could have done the exact show with men. And I feel no. It, no. it wouldn't have been as powerful. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, be yes, it wouldn't have been all. as impactful or as relevant. And also, I think there were certain statements which the show made, which unfortunately still need to be made today. Like, sometimes it is just harder for women to get stuff made for the wider viewing. Like, you know, until recently, we found out Michelle Williams was paid $1,000 for reshoots for all the money in the world. Wahlberg, $1.5 million. Yeah, what the fuck? Huge disparage. <laughs> What's this for? All the money in the world. They, they oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's coming out later in January. It's like no matter what your view on uh, the pay gap, whatever, that's fucked up. Like well, Michelle Williams didn't release a amazing hip hop album in the nineties. Yeah, she also didn't <laughs> blind the Vietnamese guy. Oh, <laughs> oh <man>. wow! <laughs> like, yeah, Mark Wahlberg, you could try and hide from it, but you did that. <laughs> Well, he did make a Transformers movie. Is that punishment enough? <laughs> I, think that, I think that's crime against nature. It's <laughs> crime against humanity. anybody. <laughs> yeah, like, that, they'll, they'll be added to his list of sins. I mean, like, to me, all is forgiven for Mark Wahlberg for being the most Bostonian guy in The Departed. Like, that's true. There you go. Like, mine said, I'll Boston Matt Damon somehow. He out Boston Matt Damon. 
<laughs> and then like both of them like running circles around Lena Garfield's like really bad accent. Oh yeah. yeah. I but guess yeah. I guess we're done with the glow for now. So, so how about, are, how about any other shows you want? Glowing do? review right there for oh, glow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we have another glowing review for. Uh, a very yeah. different kind of show. Okay, yeah. it's gonna be a major tonal shift yeah. because we're gonna talk about another uh, a film that came out in 2017 that we really couldn't find a way to mention or squeeze into the regular uh, episode. Because Which we're actually putting on our last decree uh, list of yeah. as well. Yeah, because we, we rate this as one of the best films of it. It belongs on our top ten because if you are a fan of film as a whole, you yeah. need to watch this movie because it is a technical marvel, an excellent piece of storytelling, and it's. Fucking bonkers! <laughs> we are, of course, talking about the killing of the sacred deer. Okay, well, right. A killing of a sacred deer. A, the killing of a sacred deer. Okay, the killing of a sacred deer. The feel bad movie of 2017. Okay, we're gonna go right into that right after this break. Uh, so uh, prepare your brains for some really, like, you know, the, the depressing stuff. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. And now we are back from our break. It was a break that we had to take because we had some issues that we needed to solve and now we are back to record our podcasts. Mr. Toffee, would you like to talk about this movie? Wow, that's the best Barry Kilgan impression you've done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just to recap from the break, yeah, we are actually going to talk about The Killing of A Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. A film. Right off the back of a glowing review of Glow. Okay, okay this is a film directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Is that has... how you pronounce it? Okay, we need I to could be wrong, it. I could be wrong. Is it Lanthimos or Lanthimophos? It's Yorgos Lanthimos. You're the only European here. If anything, you had to vouch you for are, us. You, you had, had to vouch, vouch for us. us. Dude, I'm not Greek. That's like... <laughs> it's it's kind of like... Okay, how, let's like, just call him... Okay, okay. But let's just say, you're Asian, you know how Koreans talk. <laughs> yes, point, I do. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Bad example. <laughs> so the last films he has done was The Lobster, which is last year, right? Was uh-huh. Two years ago. Two years ago, sorry. And then there was Dogtooth. Oh god! Oh, it's a um, weird film for my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's worth a watch. Um... Don't say we didn't warn you. Okay, is it something like Holy Mountain weird or this movie? No, weird? no, Holy Mountain is very disjointed, but it's very visual. Something like Dogtooth you would watch, like, you'll know it's an indie movie based on the budget and the setting, mm-hmm. but then you also know that, okay, here's a guy with a unique voice. It feels to me like he would be equivalent to, say, maybe Paul Thomas Anderson in... Yeah. For in some like, stuff. In terms yeah. of visual yeah. style, in turn of they're style very similar. And tone and delivery mm-hmm. and, like, and his pacing. But, uh, wow. Okay, so. Don't so, watch Doc Tooth if you like cats. Okay, okay. <laughs> or sisters. <laughs> okay, the whole. Okay, so the story itself. <laughs> is, so, just for context <laughs> yeah. for the audience, the story is based on the ancient Greek play Iphigenia at Al. Very loosely, Olis, though. Loosely by Euripides. Iphigenia. Yeah. So the film follows a cardiac surgeon, played by Farrell, who secretly befriends a teenage boy with a connection to his past. He introduces the boy to his family, who then falls mysteriously ill. That's all we're gonna say. Unless we I think go to we can also mention, because it was revealed in the trailer, that the illness includes weird paralysis. Yeah. Like, their limbs slowly just stop working. And that's the least of their concerns as this movie goes on. Like... Holy fuck, does this go to some deep, dark, 
weird places. This was actually recommended by Dr. Shafiq himself, so mm-hmm. we thought we'd watch it. I'm a, I'm a fan you know, of these kind of movies. This, this says a lot about the internal workings of Dr. No, Shafiq. No, it doesn't. It means I, I'm paying attention to film as an art form. Sorry. I got a lot of vibe of The Shining because of many of the shots when Colin Farrell was walking in yes, the hospital. Yes, there's a lot of Kubrick worship, especially Kubrick with the worship. camera work. Yeah, yeah. The work, yeah. Which the is the best is, thing. But here's the thing, like I would say like he's also aware of that. So instead of having the camera shot low, he does it high. Yes, yes, high, high. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I know we we're going to point out the fact that, oh, look at you trying to be like Stanley Kubrick. But no, <laughs> he puts the camera on the ground. I put it up on the roof. Like, okay. <laughs> no, but it reminds me, like, some of the sh- these shots, right, reminds me of, like, Exorcist 3. One of the best horror movies of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the way that there's always this looming sense of impending doom floating above them. Yeah, when it's above, yeah, when yeah, it's actually so, kind of targeting So that's them. very clever what he did, you know. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not to, I'm not gonna like... Uh, the first time the kid went to the hospital, one of yes. the sons, yeah. Then oh no, shot, top oh, shot no when he's leaving the hospital especially. Yeah. Like, and it's like this weird God's eye view. Because right? you know it's gonna happen because, I, this is where I have to say, the music. Like, yep. He uses music like a fucking champion in this movie like you know it's often very very quiet and often when the music comes on you're like something's gonna happen yeah and it's watching this poor little kid go down an escalator it's like music's just getting weird and twisted like is he gonna fall he's gonna fall he's gonna fall oh, you- he's gonna make it no he's yeah. down you saw that coming yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, if- but the way it's been executed is really it's well like, done that's the thing like it's very hard this day and age to make a film where no one sees what's gonna happen well I would also contest Get Out did that too <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Well, yeah, but that was because that was truly something different. But I even this, which is kind of, you know, uh, unique in its own way, there's still certain twists where, like, okay, you know, because this is a thriller, because this is going to end badly, something bad is going to happen. But he's still able to kind of, like, catch you off guard even when you know something is going to happen. Like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Oh, 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 it did happen. So it's kind of like a proper, like a little bit of pathos, and it's sort of like, no, fuck you. Also, unlike Get Out, I didn't laugh as much or at all. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice to know you have some semblance of humanity there, <laughs> Mr. Toffee, sir. <laughs> but I, I did laugh at some points because you kind of have to. It's more like the weird kind of laughing, like the awkward. Oh, yeah, it's kind of funny, but not really. But yeah, it's sort of one is thing in a way. I do want to point out is uh, I looked at the description of the movie after I watched it, and the first line is charismatic Dr. Stephen Mur- Murphy. He's like, yeah, I think that was charismatic? Good. He tells a guy about his girl, his daughter's period, meeting him in a public setting. I would say he did it in a very charming way. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. I was, no, no, Colin Farrell, there's just something about his eyes that you get lost in. But, <laughs> and the beard. And the beard but it's weird, you never really see his eyes that often until later in the movie. Okay. Like you often see like, over his shoulder or like in a slight angle where you see like mainly his beard or his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I would say like they shoot him as distant and I think that's what they're trying to convey in the first part of the movie. He's kind of like isolated himself for some reason. I, I mean, especially the way they like position him with even members of his family. I mean, oh, yeah. One of the things I find that is very brilliant is all the very subtle kind of uh, artistic choices they made. I mean, like even in the diner scene where they would, how they would place the family members mm-hmm. in such as like strange way, or even like his uh, conversation with, with Martin, the boy. Yeah. Martin. You know, and then the, the way the, the camera is like, it's this weird breaking of the 180 rule. There's something about how the angles don't seem to match up. Yeah. And it's like, you would notice that. I mean, like if you're a film fan or like if 
okay, a hardcore film nerd? Like, sure. These things like stick out because like, oh, look at these obvious things. But he does it in a way that doesn't feel like, you know, affected. He's like, no, no, this this is necessary to maintain this off-kilter kind of like, uh, things are just not what they seem. Yeah, yeah, it's often you'll see films that do these kind of tricks. They're doing it just for the sake. Mm. Uh, I remember I watched a film a few years ago called uh, Tom at the Farm. Right. It's a French Canadian film where the, the already I don't like it. <laughs> the director was obviously a Paul Thomas Anderson fan because he uh. did that thing which I hate that Anderson does, where he does he frames a shot where you only see one character talking to someone off screen who's doing something, and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson does it twice in The Master, like and it aggravates people like just show me what the guy's doing. And then this guy's doing it just because, oh, well, you know, this uh, critical came back to it, therefore I will do it. And, you know, I'll, ex- you know, shoot up in the ranks of my film auteurs, like, whereas this guy... Nah, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. No, exactly. He, Every shot he does is with a purpose, because it's making you feel like something isn't right. Like, the very beginning of the movie, you can tell something is off with just how everything is operating. I mean, operating. you get that clue straight away just the way people talk to each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's so off-putting. I, honestly, I hated this movie for the first 10 minutes because it was just so hard to get over but how people talk. But you get talking. drawn in, don't you, right? Eventually, because it's just so weird and it's so, like, otherworldly. It's, it'd be like if um, the human race had died out, apart from everyone who's on the spectrum of Asperger's. <laughs> <laughs> And they have to repopulate. No, that is probably the, how this movie gets put together. Asperger's kids with amazing magic powers, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but also, did you notice how uh, very subtly people became more emotive as the movie went on? I mean, that to me felt like... Uh, like There's something very musical, especially in the way that the lines and the, the script is uh, delivered and directed. Because like what I was really drawn to is like... I mean, aside from a very unique story and like... As abstract as it is, it's very easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like a lot of movies where like, I have no idea what's going on. It's like this one, things are presented to you, and it's, they're presented to you so matter-of-factly that you just like uh, receive this information. Then you feel yourself, okay, this is, and like why uh, the emotion should not exist in the early like delivery of the dialogue was because when the moment the boy reveals, okay, should we spoil it? No, we shouldn't. But okay, he reveals basically the terms of the movie. Yeah. It's like, and the thing is, like, he's addressing you, the audience. I mean, in the in the shot, he's addressing Colin Farrell. But it's literally, like, the way, like, the camera just focused on him, he's looking direct, right at you. Yeah. This is what's going to happen now. And then, like, you buy it. Yeah, and also because he says, look, I don't have time, I'll just get through quickly. It's like, this is how someone would say it in real life. Kinda. Kinda. Apart from the weird uh, affectation of having no emotion whatsoever. But, like, this is what would... What would happen if um, uh, Wes Anderson decided to make a horror movie? I think, no, nah, maybe. maybe Wes Anderson would not be so glib. I would no. say this, but the thing is, I would also argue that being glib is an emotion. Uh, well, to I mean... To an extent. Yeah. That lack of emotion is a reaction. And the thing is, having every single character kind of bounce off each other in this very... I mean, it's not off-putting. It's not so obnoxious that you feel like it's off-putting at first but once you just once accept you, uh, once like, you get, used once to you it. get into it because yeah. if it was just one character you'd be like I hate this character because they're just so weird but because everyone is doing like okay fine and then you just accept it and then you kind of get drawn in Yeah. and because it's like stripping away distractions almost yes. you're really paying attention to what is being said I mean like this movie in general is like just cutting the fat I mean like this is a lean movie if I would describe it uh, 
in the technical which is weird because it's two hours yeah, long yeah yeah it's two you hours you don't feel it yeah. I didn't feel it at all I mean I watched like what was two hours that really annoyed me like freaking probably Bl- Transformers like Blade Runner yeah. was really long like, uh, <laughs> that was two and a half hours which is worse like this this was two hours long and it's like I was enthralled from like maybe like uh, from when Martin arrives because like yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know if it was intentional but like okay one thing that I want to kind of point out not as a flaw but something that I want to discuss is like was there some strange like kind of pedophile vo- vibes between Colin Farrell and yes. the boy did you feel it too? I felt it and it's not that the- was something strangely sexual especially because one of the early like dialogues was like discussing body hair and stuff yeah. it- and then Colin Farrell was more than happy to actually open I- up this, his this is something where I, there are a lot of things in the movie where it did make me feel very uncomfortable. Which is what is probably yeah, the One scene in particular was between the teenage daughter and Martin. Okay. Uh, you know the scene in the bedroom? Oh, where she. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to say it because. Let's not spoil it, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's not spoil movie. it, but I was just watching this going. I know the point he's trying to make, but someone is getting off to this, and that's making me very uncomfortable. I not anyone not, who made the movie, but someone who's watching it is going to be enjoying it. I mean, not I try not to think too much I, about that. Yeah, but for me, like, why I really enjoyed this one is like, oh my god, he actually did a, he, he he topped Doctor in terms yeah. of how uncomfortable he can make me feel. I mean, I haven't felt this disturbed since like probably I don't know, maybe maybe old boy, maybe Salo, maybe oh, yeah. Orange. Oh I mean, like god. it's that echelon now. The, like, l- the last movie that made me like uh, actually, you know clenched up was uh, Black Swan. Black Swan? No, Black but, Swan. No, the Black Swan. Only uh, for, one... for a Dream. That also made me clap. Yeah, but I mean, in Black Swan only, you know, the scene where she starts stabbing her face with a nail file. Yeah. Like, that made me clutch my cheeks because I just felt, I could almost feel it and on my face. And that's what I like about like uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. There's, there is some gore. Okay, we're not gonna yeah. spoil it. But there's nothing that visceral. And the thing is, a lot of things are implied, and a lot of things are kind of like left to your imagination, which is like what makes this like probably one of the most brilliant films of last year. Yeah. And if anything is like, I mean, okay, if I want to compare it to something that's like gut punching, visceral, and just painful to watch, I mean, like from a psychological standpoint, like say, uh, maybe that French horror movie Martyrs. Have, Martyrs, yeah, have you that seen was that? I haven't seen. Oh, it. That, was that is a rough movie. movie. And the thing is, right. It, There's a shit ton of gore in that one. And yeah. it's very visual, and the thing is, because of how visual it is, it just really, it tears at the back of your eyes, like, okay, I can't, I, I do not want to see this. Yeah. But then, like, something like The Killing of a Sacred Deer, there are moments of tension, especially, uh, like, okay, there's that scene where Martin is in the house with them. I'm not going to explain why, okay, but the thing is, like, there's this moment where, like, uh, they're in the basement. I think mm. you guys know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, the basement scene. And then, like, just the, the tension between Martin and Colin Farrell's character. Yeah. And Nicole and Kidman, like, and also. And, like, the how, other kid. Well, like, okay, how far is this movie gonna go? Mm. And that's what I like about this, is because there's so many moments where it's like, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna push you, we're gonna push. And then, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like, <laughs> like watching a master fisherman, like, just tease you closer into the bait. I mean, like okay. it's like edging to the nth degree, and it, like, it, and the thing is, right, it plays on your own psychology. That you're thinking, mm-hmm. like, okay, this movie might go strange. I mean, like, maybe in reference also in reference to that earlier scene that you mentioned on the elevator, where the director allows for things to gradually take its time, and he builds intensity with music and yeah. framing, and you expect something to happen, and it doesn't happen, and in the moment you lower your gut, something happens. Yeah, 
So like, that's what they like. Like I like what I like about the movie is that it's got this very lovely sine wave of ups and downs. That mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. and when the music just hits you, it just hits. Just just good timing for the yeah, music. Yeah, that music is the like, music good. selection. It's just like it opens with. It's annoyingly familiar that piece of music. I swear I've heard a classical music before, but I can't tell you where who did it. I mean. It's not scored, right? This is definitely licensed music. I There's really some, think. some of it. I think, so, I think some of it is scored, some of it is licensed. Like that for opening, I recognize that tune, so it's definitely licensed. Yeah, okay. That weird garbling effect, oh yeah, definitely scored. Like during the parts where Colin and the boy were walking together. I mean, not since Psycho has like string instruments sounded so creepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy, it, it really like grates at the back of your spine. It's like, I want to compare this with another film which also was psychological and weird and played with music and cues Mother. Yes, mother. We gotta bring that up. I, I yeah, want yeah. to bring it up. There because are some similarities, except mother, mother was, was a piece of shit movie. No, no, it was more on the nose of the whole biblical stuff, which Aronofsky has done a shitload of times, unfortunately. You want to see on the nose of Aronofsky? You watch Noah. That piece okay, of that shit one movie. is okay. That's worse. Why? Yeah, rock monsters. I don't understand. Yeah, I Nephilim, could, Nephilim. Don't like forget, they're called Nephilim. Undermining, like, the, remember that scene in the trailer? Like, I'm not alone. Like, oh, this is a man of faith who's like got. The protection of his belief and that's gonna make him survive. Like, nah, I got rock monsters. I'm fine. Fuck a lot of years. At the very least, uh, Killing of the Secret Deer, at least it goes through that whole Greek poem a little bit and then it just becomes its own thing. No mixed hidden messages. Okay, maybe something about like, yeah, if you if you want to actually, if you made a mistake, you gotta face your mistake. Don't be a coward run away, which is what Colin Farrell is in this entire So film. are you talking about the sins of the father, sir? Eh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it's, the sins of the father. it's also a refreshing take on, I mean, it's based on uh, Greek mythology. Which, I mean, yeah, kinda. Some of it. Iphigenia is based on, it's a sub-story of um, the Iliad. Okay. So... You know the Iliad, which is you know the siege of Troy and yeah, yeah. dudes stuck on the island. They can only get out. They have to kill one of their own, right? No, that's three hundred. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the tragedy of Euphigenia is that uh, the king of uh, Mycenae, uh, Agamemnon, he's trying to leave the Troy, but they're bad winds, and he asks the gods, "What do they need?" And, A sacrifice. Yeah, and so he sacrifices his young daughter Euphigenia. After that, the winds are favorable, and they can all leave. And then he comes back and his wife kills him. And in no way does that reference spoil this movie whatsoever. Yep. Absolutely not. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, but if anything, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was kind of revealed in a lot of plot synopsis on IMDb right now. It's because it's one of those movies where you don't want to explain it too much. Like, even yeah, the You prem- have to actually see it yourself. Even the Definitely. premise is a spoiler. Like, often, if I want to recommend to anyone, like, Cole, like, oh, I really don't watch it. It's like, just watch it. Let me know what you think afterwards. I'm telling you nothing. Because, you know, I would like to lay claim to being the guy to recommend this to this movie to you. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how this has to be on our top ten movies of last. You know, as a guy who's seen stuff like The Holy Mountain and Salome, yeah, bring it on, dude. I mean, bring it more. Bring this, it more. This is one of these movies where it is absolutely one of the best movies I've ever seen, which I never want to watch ever again. <laughs> Yeah. Like if I see basically the... like Requiem for a Dream, but for 2017. But Requiem for a Dream has an amazing scene where you know, like one of the greatest lines. Esther of all time. S. <laughs> <laughs> you sorry know me so well. <laughs> I'm so I knew you were gonna say that. I'm so sorry for stepping on your joke. No, but... I set it up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, hey, knock him down. Knock we're him a down. team, okay? I set it up, you knock it down. I, I'm I'm very proud of it's you. It's almost like we're sharing. Uh, 
Nope. Dildo? <laughs> I, 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 th- I thought you were going to say mashed potato. That was also I'm, I'm pretty line. sure you wanted to say double-sided dildo. Yes. That's exactly. That. <laughs> podcast, podcast. <laughs> okay, anyway, co-host to co-host. But us... Uh, Bringing jokes together. That's the last thing, Sorry. How lovely it is for us to laugh in a time of depression and despair. <laughs> hey. Okay? Because the desolation, there's always ass to ass. But... It has to be said. It has, yeah, it also has to be said. It has or has to be said. <laughs> it has to be said. We are so we're twelve year olds. <laughs> yeah, but there were some funny parts to this movie. Okay, which I didn't see. So please elaborate. Uh, the uh, the uh, ending, um, like how he resolves the conflicts. Uh, Colin Farrell's character. You giggled. What kind of a human being are because you? Because it's... What the hell's wrong with you, Tom? It's You're fu- supposed to be the dignified guy. It's goddamn ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's just like, the way he moves reminds me of, like, certain bad video games of the 90s. Or like Jack okay. the movie. Yeah. Okay, if if we have that scene up on YouTube, if someone were to put a Benny Hill... Out of context. <laughs> yeah, out of context, that would work. Wait, it's the same reason why I watched... Uh, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with my friends in university. Which one? The first one. The original. The original. Okay. And they didn't like it. <laughs> Why? Because the final chase scene, it's just, you know, I could see why it was impactful and scary in the 70s, but I was just watching it and in the back of my head, just slowly starting up with the Benny Hill theme tune. <laughs> Jack <Jack-a-thee> sex. Yeah, <laughs> and it became <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like, my only problem with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre ending is Leatherface holding the chainsaw, swinging it in the air, when yeah. he loses. Spoilers if you haven't seen a movie for a times. Yeah. Okay, yeah. like, Toby Hooper's, like, amazing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but, okay, I understand why. I mean, you wouldn't say funny, like, hilarious funny. You would say. No, but it's kind of like. This it's is so off kilter. I have to give. It. Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's not just because it's old. Because we also watched Psycho together, and we all agreed the original or yeah, the remake. Yeah, the original. Okay. And we all still agreed that was an impactful movie, even though some of the uh, the effects, like the guy falling on the stairs, was like, okay, I can't believe this anymore. But like, or that, when uh, Norman Bates dressed up as a yo, mom. yeah, that rack shot is ahead of its time, sir. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like you true can, that, true that. For they had to pull it off on film, sir. That on is, a staircase with a dolly. Built first. Okay, never mind. I mean, it, yeah, I admit, technical Marvel, it doesn't age well. Yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing for a lot of things. But okay, the thing is, is for the killing of Sacred Year, especially for the ending. Uh, yeah. Okay, I see what you're going for when. It, I mean, I didn't say I laughed at. I didn't say, oh, this is hilarious. It was just like. It's not like meant to be funny. It's like you it's, had to. Go. It's so absurd. Like that, the mention that someone would come to this conclusion to save their family, and how he goes about it is just. It's like, th- even if this was how you wanted to do it, there are much easier ways of getting the no, conclusion you wanted to get. but here's the problem I have with that, because the thing is, right, he was uh, already... Uh, I don't know how to say this without spoiling it. Okay, he was given a certain uh, a deadline. Exactly, he was running so out of time. Was so running out of time. He did the best of what he had available with him, I guess, yeah. I mean, but okay, the thing is, but the thing is, it's not lazy writing, it's like, this is the, the only objective logical but thing. But that's the point, like, I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing in terms of, like, lazy writing or, you know, this is stupid, I'm just saying that it is deliberately absurd how he does it. I, it was deliberately, like, you're watching this, like, I could do this better. And then you think, like, why the fuck am I criticizing his, his execution? Method, yeah of a really awful moment in his life. I would say this, it's like it's, like... it's, it's like, it's a deliberate, like, uh, 
bait and switch that uh, he pulled on me while whilst I was like, <laughs> oh, why am I laughing? And then here's the execution th of it. Execution. No, you know, thing is right. That is also testament to the brilliance of this film because Tom laughed and he felt bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like laugh. That was fun. No, no, he was like. Why am I laughing? I'm a terrible human being. You are a terrible human being, sir. How could you? Of course, I'm friends Stop. with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How can I top that? I was jacking off watching it, enjoying it. <laughs> what? Okay, but if anything... Uh, we, we forgot uh, to mention, there was actually a cameo from Alicia Silverstone. You want to mention Alicia characters. Of Miss Birding herself, yes. Batgirl, appeared in this movie. Yeah, Miss Clueless. Yeah. And I, I don't think they even invited her. I think she was just on set one night. <laughs> Just filmed. Oh, talking. Colin Farrell's hand. Let me lick it. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, yeah, spoiler. You're, you're a surgeon. You've got very pretty hands. He's like, not you too, bad girl. <laughs> no, but okay. The thing is, like, uh, it's not stunt casting. I mean, okay. Speaking of brilliant blonde women, fuck Nicole Kidman. Oh yeah. God damn. Look, yeah. Like that. Just the 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 beauty of despair in her eyes, realizing that. Like, not only is her family a state, but herself and her realization. Yeah, and it's just everything she does, like how she gets certain information later on in the film. Yeah, from, yeah, and uh, her listening Collins. to Barry, yeah. Uh, Martin, yeah. Martin. Yeah, it's like I've never seen so much contempt in someone's eyes. Yeah. It's like I withered, and she wasn't even looking at the camera. Just like, can you imagine having someone staring at you while they're doing that to you? I mean, like, she is one of the greatest actresses of all time. Yeah. Like, especially for this movie. Like, the level of nuance that she pulls yeah. off. Yeah. You know, While like, the kids eating spaghetti really loud too. That was crazy, man. Like, and it was gross. Was yeah. It was so disgusting, yeah, the noise meant, it was yeah. making. Yeah, I know. It was meant to be disgusting, which is nice. Uh, like, the way she was staring I mean, at like, everything. Uh, like, excellent of, Foley work in this movie. Very good work. Yeah. I would say the ADR and the Foley work. Oof. And the fact of the matter of that, like... You know that a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the, the I mean probably on set like it was really strict with the sound mm -hmm. because it's like you don't hear anything you don't hear the clattering of the other table you don't hear the traffic outside you don't hear people walking back and forth the ambiance is always focused on what's going on at that yeah. kind of time and it's like you have no choice but to pay attention because there's nothing in this film I mean why I always mention that it's so lean is because like it does its best to not distract you so that when things are presented to you especially the ending yeah and then you feel to yourself like okay what is this emotion i'm supposed to feel right now and oh my god i still feel bad no matter what and if anything is like uh i mean the one thing i want to say about this film especially i mean besides the performances the idea and the fact that somebody pulled this off yeah this day and age, yep. like hey there you go and the fact that okay, it's getting no love right now. I, I don't think there's any Oscar or any Golden Globes. But I think it's it's a bit too weird for the old Fox in Academy to give yeah, awards. Yeah, you know. And then like it's it's just like for me, I'm just happy things like this still exist. I think at this point in time, maybe it might be nominated. Might maybe no. Not. It's you think? it's too weird. Few, at this point in time of recording, in a few days, they're gonna announce the nominees. I would be so surprised because remember the Academy is almost exclusively populated by 85 year old white men who like watching films about Hollywood the like, golden age at the very least like look La La Land got how many nominations? 8? 9? it got 2 for best song and fuck you Sing Street exists yeah okay well oh remember <laughs> when I, I, the I, I, artist won 5 academy awards oh, for man. what? yeah is it like for no, di for no dialogue yeah. how masturbatory is that? oh don't forget Moonlight also won best film last year so but Moonlight's let's a good hope. film that yeah. Moonlight yeah let's hope and I think but the thing is it didn't win the best. way it should have yeah uh, it won because someone fucked up mm -hmm. and I don't know I mean the thing is 
Okay, we mentioned this before. Oscars don't really mean anything to us. I mean, we have an entire Oscar episode. Please do check out. You know, <laughs> yeah, check it out. Archives. Way back Archives. in the early Archives. season two era. Like we're gonna shit on it all over again. Of course we are. You know, it's our duty, but also at the same time, our duty. <laughs> duty. <to put> the <laughs> duty. <laughs> there we go. Oh my god. We were uh, the same joke at the same time. Uh, okay, ass to ass. <laughs> Speaking of duty, <laughs> you know, both of us pro- pushing out the same. Turd. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> There's a film I need to make. Anyway, High Mind, starring Shafiq and Tom. Let's go back. <laughs> to the killing of I'm the spending too much time with. You. Yeah. We only do this once a week, sirs. <laughs> okay, but it's too much. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Okay, one of the best films of the year. Okay, what was the yeah, I was going on? Okay, the thing is, underrated. I don't know because it popped out on my radar out of nowhere. How and did you find out about it? I can't remember. I just remember like like uh, I don't know if I was walking past uh, a cinema or if I was just randomly on IMDb doing research mm-hmm. and like, oh, this guy made another movie that came out this year. And like that's the thing about 2017 for me, amidst the gamut and all like the tsunami of superhero comic book bullshit like genre movies, it's like I felt like okay, I'm doing myself a big disservice by not paying attention to a lot of other films. Yeah. The smaller films, the yeah. one that don't get that so much. I decided release. to like you know, put in the work and do the research and like this popped up like oh this director I like Dogtooth. Uh, I saw the lobster. Eh, I was alright with that. Okay, let's see what else he does. I watched this and I was like, yo guys, we gotta watch this. Movie. <laughs> so. I think maybe it's not getting that much uh, appreciation because The Lobster, I think, was his first, like, I mean, it wasn't, like, it wide was release. It was accessible. It was yeah, more like he was trying to make a more mainstream movie. Mm. And it didn't do very well at all. But it's, I mean... Okay, a lot of people didn't like it. But if you ask me, probably one of the best movies of 2015, just because it's different. But yeah. okay, that, that's no way to... I mean, that, that's not real reason for it to be, you know, uh, stacked up so high, but also at the same time, what else came out in 2015 worth mentioning? I, I need to bring up my list. Mm-hmm. Or something, uh, yeah. Ant-Man came out. <laughs> Ant-Man? <laughs> Over the lobster? Sure. It's... Does anybody... So what powers does this lobster have? I genuinely do not believe... I genuinely do not remember what came out in 2015. That's the problem. Yeah. Mad Max. Oh, Fury Road. Fury Road came yes. out, yeah. Yes, Fury Road should have won the Oscar instead of the Revenant. And Inside Out. Yeah, more right Inside Out. Well, Max would be the movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Then Lobster. Revenant is actually way down. Yeah. I want to do for it, just follow me around in life. <laughs> just like driving behind me, just like playing power chords as I'm just going to work. You do know that, like... Uh, <laughs> the, the, the rocker dude, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the, that flamethrower guitar is very unpractical. It works! That is a legitimate <laughs> guitar! In that universe, it works. No, no. Why would you need a do for him in, in with real, a flamethrower guitar in real life? following you around when you go to work? I can imagine him on the MRT just jamming out your favorite tune. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or when, or like when we're stuck... This, but this train is stuck for longer than usual. It's like... It's just like or when notes. you're doing paperwork in the office. You know what? <laughs> I, would, I would love a do for you if he took requests. Yeah, I, I want to hear Ace of Spades right now as I'm brushing my teeth. Wow. Or actually, no, he would hate to follow me around again. Cause I'll be like, play free birds, like uh... over and over. No, this one guitar says, "Fuck you." <laughs> Get out. It's like I'll free bird your face. And I, I don't think so. I mean, it would be amazing. I would love to do for you to like uh, lullaby me to sleep with like Hotel California every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Not with on. that tuning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, moving on. Yo, so. it'll be so heavy. <laughs> Alright, so moving on. After moving this. Back. Let's yeah, moving back. Moving back. Let's get off this yeah. tangent. What do you want to see more from this director in the future? Whatever. I would love to see him do a superhero movie. No, no, no. no, no, no. Can you imagine some, like, 
a superhero who talks like that? Yes, Hancock. No, okay. Imagine <laughs> wow, Hancock, a but a good spin. movie. <laughs> I know. Okay, that movie Super with uh, Rain Wilson. Shut up, crime. <laughs> oh yeah, Jamie's gun, Jamie Gunn, Jamie Gunn's work. Yeah, like okay, what what look? Jamie Gunn, are you on first name James with him? Gunn. James Gunn. James Gunn. 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 I call him Jamie. <laughs> His closer friends call him Jim. <laughs> oh, Jamie Gunn. Oh, you mean JG? Yeah, JG. <laughs> okay, him and Imar. Okay, but okay, um, him and directing. Okay, here's the problem. Is like, no, I don't want him to do things outside of his wheelhouse. But that's the thing, like, I, I don't want him to do, like, the big... I want him to do, like, his answer to the Marvel powerhouse which is going on right now. Okay. He could do a really weird-ass sci-fi film, that's for no, sure. No, no, no. Okay, if you want him to do a superhero movie, okay, he's the perfect guy to do a Spawn reboot. Ooh, Jesus! And that's how that Spawn. fucks with your mind. Because the thing is, Spawn, as a character... What's his real name? Huh? Uh, Alan Simmons. I, I was about to say Michael J. White. <laughs> That's the actor. <laughs> the actor Michael J. White. I'm sorry. Okay, but uh, the real guy is a- a- no, but Alan like, Simmons. I would love to see him with like a like a, a ridiculous budget doing the scenes of like Simmons being tortured in hell. I don't know if I want to give him a budget because I think. Oh he... no! For a movie like Spawn, <laughs> give him a budget, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but like, I, I'm just afraid of he might actually kill someone and make a snuff film <laughs> if we give him any money. What? No, only Werner Herzog does that. No practical effects. <laughs> Ooh, I think that's an insinuation yeah. right there. No, it's true. It's people died making Werner Herzog movies. Oof. Not on th- on screen, surely. Not on screen, true, but you know. No. Okay. It's still pretty fucked up. Okay, fine, John Landis. I said it. Okay, okay fine. Call back to last episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Twilight episode. Uh, t- sorry, the Twilight Zone movie. movie. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Or, but anyway, uh, yeah, back to this. I, I mean, mean, as a director, like he's got a very unique voice, and not only a very unique voice, he's yeah. got a very. Uh, it's a very distinct style of running out of the gate. Yeah, yeah I would like, watch whatever he makes from here on out. Yeah. We may have only watched it once, we even watch it a couple of times if we're delusional or. Sadistic, well, but, the point is, but the point is, but the whole point is, he, yeah, he's kind of like the author for the for, for this particular generation, alongside Edgar Wright. Who else? Christopher uh, Nolan. Christopher Nolan. I I would say that's putting a disservice to uh, what's his name? Y- yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say. Uh, La- I think that's a disservice to Lathamos. I think he is. Yorgos, a, Yorgos. I think he is a cut above. Like this is not. Not uh, shitting on Edgar Wright and uh, Christopher Nolan. He's definitely above Edgar Wright. League of his own. League yeah, of his like own. they are fantastic directors, but they are very much stuck in their particular. I would say like, he's the one things. guy who like is amazing for him to exist outside the Hollywood system. Yeah. For me, he feels like Inaritu when he just came out, mm-hmm. or like before uh, he got money. Before he got money, yeah. There you go. And if anything is like, I mean, it's nice to know that, you know, especially now, we have been complaining continuously. That there's nothing unique, there's nothing original. Yeah, you know, about how formulaic and Marvel yeah. burnout is. Al- along comes this film, and it's changed our I mean, expectations. You know what, tell you what, Lost fans, let us know. Do you want us to talk about weird, off kilter, independent movies that may or may not. You know, yeah, because fit the geek because stuff. we can dedicate an episode for it. I mean, so we, would, let we, us we film geeks. We too. would love to talk about some really out there foreign movies. Like there are some weird as shit Belgian movies I want to show you guys. I mean, I, I'm game. Like yeah, the, there's a film which came out in 2016 uh, called God Is Alive and He Lives in an Apartment in Antwerp. Okay. <laughs> It's about. A it sounds like an amazing indie band. Yeah, there's a there's an old guy who lives in an apartment. He's got, and he just plays around with trains and shit, and that's natural disasters in the world. You know what? I mean, I, wanna, <laughs> I gotta watch that. I want to do a whole episode with nothing but Michelle Haneke movies. Who? The guy who did 
Okay, you know what? I'll introduce him to you. Then we <laughs> then we'll see where this. Then goes. we'll talk. Yeah. Then we'll talk. Okay, but I think his most uh, messed up movie would be. Was the one where it was remade by him? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what? Nah. Okay. That, that's. That, I mean, uh, he did uh, Amor, which is one of the most depressing movies. Oh the yeah. Okay. Oh, Amor. Okay. That's oh, Jesus. That guy. You know, I listened to a review that someone did right after his father passed away from old age. Hey, yeah. And I'm like, dude, why did you do this to yourself? Like, you can't get paid well enough to do that. I mean, I wouldn't even mind having an entire Suffering episode. Suffering for his art. Where we talk about Gaspar No movies, if you guys could stomach yep. it. Yep. Okay, fine. You know, I mean, like, from Irresistible, Enter the Void, even his earlier works, like, I Stand Alone, those are some hard cinema to watch. Ugh. Okay, but, like, okay, uh, Last King fans, you let us know, okay? Tell us. We have social media, we have Facebook. Yeah. Okay, find us at Last King Podcast everywhere. Uh, but if anything, okay, you know what? We need to give our final uh, review. Yeah, let's wrap this up properly, like like the dead deer it is. Jesus Christ! Scraping man. bits from the bumper <laughs> and the headlights. Too bad there are no actual. <laughs> sorry, I had to, I had to say Probably that. my only gripe: not enough deers or no deers at all. <laughs> That's my <Yeah>. joke. <laughs> Yeah, you. yeah, you wanted to say it, but you didn't say it oh this whole time. God. Yes, that's, that's the joke right there. Uh, <laughs> Two hours, no days. No Zero out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but not okay. But uh, <laughs> well, yes. Uh, I would say watch this because you will never see anything like it. And compared to whatever else came out in 2017, this definitely deserves. You know, I mean. Top ten, top ten movies of last year. Absolutely, I and mean, it's, yeah, it's an experience. It's very, very rare. Aside from Get Out, this to me felt like the other experience of 2017. Yeah, I mean, this isn't my favorite film of uh, 2017 because I like myself too much to make this my favorite thing. <laughs> but it's definitely like this is, you know, you can't help but applaud a guy for like making such an achievement of cinema. Yeah, I agree. This I is something where we need to record this in like stone tablets for uh, millennia of generations afterwards. Or in an easy to consume one hour podcast format. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I can't actually recommend this film to just anyone. You gotta be in the right frame yeah. of mind <laughs> that, and thought. That, that is true. So my rating is gonna be a little lower, but it's still fair. But I'll still watch it. You know it. what? That it, is very essential, especially for a nerd geek podcast for us to have some sort of elitist element yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you know you will not be smart enough to enjoy this but it's not it's not just smart enough it's like if you only watch movies because you want to unwind and you know twitch your brain off this ain't for you yeah. <laughs> like this is not a chill out movie I it's was not even a feel good movie I was at all. so <laughs> damn tense after this I had to play a South Park game to <laughs> unwind I saw you on Steam when I was playing The Witcher 3 so yeah I so think like, yes like... I had to have my two hours of fart Maybe jokes we, we, we need to it. address some of you Last King fans if your top 5 movies is like Wonder Moon or like you know Avengers or... yeah I mean okay please do allow us to go it's not really off tangent we are film geeks yeah okay, let, let's just say that for a fact and the thing is we are a fan of the form and we are a fan of cinema in general uh, but okay this will be something that's hopefully gonna be much more apparent coming this season this year yeah. and probably future episodes where we go off and find films to recommend to you that we feel like you know hey if you wanna be like you know big into movies yeah that's stuff that you'll be surprised exists out there I mean, like, the world isn't all just superhero movies and, like, pitch-perfect sequels. Ugh. I'm so glad, that's funny. Fuck those pitch-perfect movies. <laughs> yeah. No, they want to make more. They want to make another So there's gonna movies. be more than three of these. It's like... There's more than one? <laughs> yes. I want... And the sad thing is, the first I one, pin, I thought it wasn't too bad. I want to pin Anna Kendrick to a wall and say, You are better than this! And also, fuck Heidi Steinfeld. 
She was she was in True Grit. Remember, fourteen year old was nominated for an Oscar. And look at her now. She's in Pitch Perfect three. <laughs> Damn, what a world we live in. Mm-hmm. And on that note, yep, I think we're gonna have to wrap this up. Okay, let's wrap this up. So my final rating for Killing of a Sacred Deer, probably one of the most. Uh, you have to watch this. Uh, and also, here's the disclaimer, if not for the faint of heart. No, uh, you need to have a good stomach. Don't watch this while eating. Spaghetti Please. especially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knows what meat he used? Oh, God. No, don't... Venison, sir. <laughs> don't put that in my head. <laughs> oh, a deer did get killed to make spaghetti meatballs. <laughs> what? Okay, anyway, so what were you, what were you about to say, sir? Uh, I mean, this is just like... If you are a fan, if you legitimately call yourself a cinephile, not just, oh, I like movies, like an actual cinephile, you have to watch this movie. Yeah. Right? It's just, it is, I would say, required viewing. And I would not be surprised if this is included in uh, Film 101 courses in, in the years to come. Probably. Yeah. Right, this, is, this is a good successor to Kubrick, I would say. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, like, not say a good successor. He is... Definitely riding his coattails a bit, but the thing is, like, it's good inspiration. I mean, one of those guys is he pays like homage. He doesn't rip off. That's what I would yeah. say. Yeah, but I feel like he's a better homage than Nolan is. That's why I kind of want him to do a sci-fi one of these days, a sci-fi film, maybe. I mean, I, I would be, a very cerebral run. I'd be interested very to see, cerebral. but uh, that would probably actually make me vomit watching it. Okay, here's an idea. He should direct the Event Horizon reboot. Oh please no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe something similar to that. I don't want the same thing. Oh dude. You know, we should make him uh, film a Dead Space um, uh, movie adaptation. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Or he could do. Oh, he could do. He could bring back the cute movie. Oh, oh that something movie was amazing. Or something similar to that, but a where bit it's more all in the mind. Back, yeah. Mm, okay. If anything. And with more top shots. I mean, but here's the thing. <laughs> right? shots. He is the kind of horror director where you can't give him a horror setting because then he's like too in his element. He needs to take something normal and then just kind of like pervert it. We should, yeah. we should make him do a kids movie and see what happens. <laughs> Wow. Oh man, he, he, he should direct the next Teletubbies. There you go. If you, <laughs> if you want to maintain some sort of surreality. I mean, they're already uh, creepy to begin with. There you go. Imagine yeah. what he'll do. Like, Tubby Cast will be something else. Oh boy. I can imagine the episode where Lala starts menstruating and he has to explain it. <laughs> and, uh, and Nunu just uh, appears. What? There's the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I, I never watched Teletubbies, sir. <laughs> Is there a name for the sun in that? Cartoon baby face. Let's call her baby face. Yes, baby face. Grammy nominated recording artist, baby face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Killing a secretary. Mr. Uh, Toffee, your final thoughts. It's once. It's a once in a lifetime sort of thing. You gotta watch it. You should not watch it ever again. Uh, how dare you? Sir? No, 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 no. It, it, it warns it's, it's, multiple it's viewings. It's, it's it's a good film. I mean, well done. If you uh, if you're ever on a day where you're too happy, like things are just going <laughs> yeah, watch this film. too well. Watch, watch this, this movie. Film. And uh, your uh, your meridian points will be realigned properly. Mm. Like I'm, I'm like between the seven and the eight. I mean, great film. Not gonna re- recommend it to anyone else. Oh, okay. Really? Put it down circle. Like, I would recommend it to all my friends. I would say <laughs> I would say ten upon ten, with the caveat of there are definitely people I would not recommend this to. I, yeah. I'm debating whether or not my parents would like this, because they really like good movies. But they're. But oh, could they, you recommend like Requiem for a Dream to them? Uh, <laughs> no, I will not. I, maybe. Uh, but you can't sit and watch it with them, right? But the thing is, something like no, that. No, yeah, like, something like you that. Know, my dad watched uh, Straw Dogs. I'm a fan of that movie. Yeah, it's my dad like was one as of my well. Favorite my dad was as well, but he was sort of like, I wouldn't watch that again. So 
You know there's a Straw Dogs remake that's terrible? Yeah, that was Yes, with, bad. uh, what's his face? Cyclops. Hey, there you go. Oh, James Marston, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. But yeah, for me, it's a 10 upon 10 movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say not 10 upon 10. Nine? Nine, nine. I mean, I have some complaints. Uh, basically, like, the, the, the kid actors can be a little bit... I think, but I think I they're just even, purposely made like that. No, 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 I mean, in even, the sense that... Like, yeah. Like, the thing is, compared to the kid playing Martin, who's brilliant, like the two, the victims, yeah. like the, the 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 son and daughter, is like, like I my problem is I didn't really buy the daughter's affection for Martin. Yeah, well the thing is, uh, she is turning sixteen this year, so she was fourteen when this film was being made. So, I, I think she... Anna Paquin won an Academy Award when she was like nine. Okay, <laughs> yes, and uh, what's her what face? Was... Uh, Be So Southern Wild, she was seven years old, Quaffin Sally Wallace. And then there was like back in the black and white era, there's Tatum O'Neill or something. Yeah, but I mean, she... I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna she... compare her to that. Yeah, yeah. But, but they served their purpose. This is but, a very you know. difficult movie to act in because you're being told, show no emotion whatsoever, deliver it entirely from how you say your lines. Yeah, okay. So I think that considering that was the direction, I think she did a fine job. Obviously, compared to Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell, like you know, that's an unfair comparison to me. I mean, I'm, the thing is, like, I, I agree, it's like an unfair comparison because the thing is, uh, that moment when she's talking about like she's telling the brother is like, when this happens, can I have your Walkman? Oh, I mean, that that was that was another thing which kind of made me go, this is so absurd. Like, yeah. when you die, can I have your MP3 Spoilers, player? Sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the thing is, the way she said it, like, uh, your MP3 player is like. Okay. I think she was also struggling with the accent because she's an English girl. I would say that, but the thing is, like, yeah, that's why it's kids, not. Kids don't really have a concept. I mean, of that's death, why. So no, but I think it's, I'm trying to explain. At 14, you should have a concept why of I'm death. I'm not gonna give it 10 because, like, there's some things that's still kind of like. I mean, uh, that, technical level. That's, I mean, that's I'm, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I also. I never give nines. <laughs> I mean, I hate everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit more forgiving than you are, and that's why I have my grabs as well. But mm. if I spend too long thinking about it, I think. Oh wait, no, that helped serve the wider story, so I'm going to give it a pass. Okay. Now, that's my reasoning. No, I, I agree, but okay, let's all three of us agree, probably one of the best films that came out last year. Oh, for sure. And then definitely, like, I mean, when the last Queen of the Cree article comes out, like, be, be prepared for some movies that we didn't mention, and we will be mentioning in time. Yeah, yeah. we got some bombs ready for you guys. Some that's bombs. True. Some bombs for you. Okay, okay, so let's wrap this up nice and tight. Uh, so... Please watch Killing of a Secret Deer. Please watch Glow. Not back to back. It won't make much sense. <laughs> yeah. That's not a double bill you want. But no. at the same time, pay attention to your friends here at The Last King. We'll do everything we can to give you all the latest uh, pop culture, movie views, reviews. But also, yeah, once in a while, let you know. Watch this. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Uh, and sometimes we'll talk about video games as well. Yeah, once in a while. We used to be a video game podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we, we can worry about that that's next the run, week. That's I the mean, running Dragon Ball... Fire Z's coming out. Yes, on the light note, the Dragon Ball video games <laughs> coming and out. And Monster Hunter World too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Only here on the Last Game Podcast can we can go from female wrestling to sacred deer killing to Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> so and on that bombshell, okay, this has been your co-host. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> Doctor Surgeon General Shafiq. General Shafiq. <laughs> this has been bleeding from the eyes, uh, eccentric <laughs> Tom. <laughs> And this is paraplegic Mr. Toffee. Paraplegic? Plegic? Yep. <laughs> paraplegic Mr. Also Toffee. Also dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> Turning up.